0: Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by GrowMark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host guests and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading.
1: Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen.
0: Well, it kind of looked like most traders decided to get out of Dodge on Wednesday as the markets were fairly quiet headed into Thanksgiving Thursday. We're going to talk about it here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us on the program I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We saw a quarter wheat relatively quiet. Soybeans did leak a little bit lower as uh, we saw a little more activity, a little more volume there in beans ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. No overnight session into Thursday or overnight Thursday into Friday. And then the market's only open for a uh, portion of the day on Friday, really about 8.30 to A little after noon, the markets open on Friday, so it's always kind of an interesting week in the trade. And uh, again, it appeared a lot of traders deciding to uh, take their ball and head home early on Wednesday for the most part. Livestock trade was quietly mixed. Crude oil uh, did its best to rebound off the lows of the session, down almost 5% at one point. On Wednesday's trade, we're going to discuss all of that and more and uh, have a conversation today with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Talk about this uh, pre-holiday trade action and what it means as we go through the rest of the week. We have December options expiration coming up on Friday. First notice day will be on Monday, so some key uh, things here are the markets in the grains that we got to keep an eye on. We're going to talk about that and more, and just uh, some good risk management thoughts ahead of the holiday that's coming up here later in the show with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. I'll also, have a look at a few uh, news headlines, and we might share another conversation as well from the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri from last week. Coming up here in segment four today. First up, though, let's uh, get some thoughts on the market trade action we saw on Wednesday. I talked around midday with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at StoneX. Arlen gave his thoughts. A lot of traders uh, seemingly squaring up positions ahead of the holiday. We discussed the activity in grains. We look at crude oil and also a little bit of uh, notes on the livestock trade, mainly cattle here today. We discuss all that and more. Here's Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stonex, from our midday commentary.
2: Yeah, kind of quiet uh, holiday trade. You're exactly right. Uh, a lot of traders want to take off early to get the kids to grandma's house for Thanksgiving. And Friday may very well be a similar day, although that's the kind of trading conditions where if you do get a headline, you can get a real pop in the market one direction or the other. You mentioned the strike in, on the Odessa port in Ukraine. We also had the USDA confirming this morning a couple cargoes of soft red winter wheat sold to China, providing a little bit of support there. that also lending a little bit of short covering support for corn at times as traders just not willing to go to new lows in corn and and that's staying fairly range bound. Soybeans pulling back a little bit today after a couple of different private sources calling for record production in Brazil, which is a little bit different than what the market have been trading with the really dry conditions in center west Brazil. And that just reemphasizing the fact it's not been totally dry down there. It's just been drier than normal there have been spots that have been totally dry and other spots maybe 10 miles away that have had four to five inches over the last 30 days or so so a lot of variability there and so as we go into the holidays with the markets closed tomorrow traders just kind of pulling back and consolidating and I think you can say that's true pretty much across the board with the grain and oil seeds today
0: crude oil uh, is down about three percent right now we've been down more than that in Wednesday's session sounds like a lot of that tied to uh the Uh, OPEC meeting getting rescheduled. Is that kind of what you're seeing drive crude oil lower on Wednesday?
2: Yeah, the real concern of this market really since late September has been the the economy, the global economy, and the lack of demand. And so we've had Saudi Arabia and OPEC generally say, okay, we're going to cut output and we're going to tighten things up, tighten up supply to try to hold the price up there. Now we have this OPEC meeting that was scheduled for Sunday, delayed until November 30th and maybe even beyond there. Saudi Arabia seems to be very upset with some of its members. And this suggests that maybe OPEC is starting to lose control of its members who may be cheating, producing more output. while Saudi Arabia has really been carrying a lot of the burden of the cuts and so the worst thing that could happen for the crude oil bulls right now would be for OPEC to lose its ability to control output at a time when demand is soft. That's what the market is worried about and why we're seeing the sell-off in crude oil today.
0: And real briefly, cattle and hogs, I think it's kind of the same story as grains, pretty quiet pre-holiday trade and position squaring there. Any other notes in the livestock trade today?
2: Yeah, we'd say we're probably pricing in some 175 pricing today. Uh, December futures a 177 cash trade. Uh, if you look at the trade that we've seen thus far, it's been pretty quiet, a little bit of 177, 178 on the online exchange. Nothing really much in the country yet. So pretty quiet overall. Of course, the markets close tomorrow.
0: And once again, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us for midday commentary on Wednesday ahead of the Thanksgiving Thursday holiday and a shortened session on Friday as we head into the weekend. While retail fertilizer prices saw mixed moves again during the second week of November, according to sellers surveyed by DTN, average retail prices for five of the eight major fertilizers were higher compared to last month, while prices for the remaining three were lower. None of the moves were significant, which DTN designates as anything 5% or more. The five fertilizers were slightly higher prices than last month. DAP, an average price of $717 per ton, MAP at $811 a ton, Potash at $511 a ton, and Hydrus at $843 a ton, and UAN 28, $361 a ton. The three fertilizers with just slightly lower prices were urea, with an average price of $574 a ton; 10340 at $613 a ton, and UAN32 at $415 a ton. On a price per pound of nitrogen basis, the average urea price that was 62 cents a pound, and hydrous 51 cents a pound, UAN28 at 64 cents a pound, and UAN32 at 65 cents a pound. Now, all fertilizers are lower by double digits compared to one year ago. MAP is 18% lower. 1034-0 is 19% less expensive. DAP is 23% lower. Urea, 29% less expensive. UAN 28 is 38% lower. UAN 32 is 39% less expensive. Potash is 40% lower. And anhydrous is 42% less expensive compared to a year prior. DTN gathers the fertilizer price bids from agricultural retailers each week to compile their DTN fertilizer index, and they began first reporting that data back in November of 2008. So fertilizer prices, uh, for the most part, continuing to be lower than a year ago. A little bit of an uptick uh, here this month, uh, the third week of November, for DAP, MAP, Potash, and Hydrus, and UAN-28. Uh, But overall, things Looking pretty stable in that fertilizer market, especially here during a key uh, fall application period as we head into the winter months and before we get a lot of major snow on the ground in parts of the upper Midwest. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to take a dive into the market trade as we wrap things up ahead of the Thanksgiving Thursday holiday We're going to have a conversation with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. He'll sit down with us and give us his thoughts in the market trade here ahead of the holidays. We'll get to that conversation coming up after the break as we're back with more on Market Talk on the way right after this.
3: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
1: Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen.
0: Well, as the market's wrapped up on Wednesday ahead of Thanksgiving Thursday and a shortened trading session on Friday, we saw some volatility in the markets. Soybeans ended up having a down day while wheat and corn were relatively mixed. There was some quiet trade thrown in around a little bit of volatility as well. We want to talk about the markets here as we work our way through the holiday. Always an interesting week in the trade. Joining us now for market analysis, Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And appreciate you joining us here as we recap Wednesday's uh, market action. And, you know, uh, as I kind of alluded to, outside of soybeans, everything else was somewhat quiet, but it's just kind of that pre-holiday type trading where, you don't necessarily know everything that's going to happen in front of a holiday, Mike.
4: No, that's a great way to kind of cue up today's trade in terms of pre-Thanksgiving holiday trade, really all week, and I think it's going to continue all the way into when we open Christmas presents, Jesse. It just feels like that type of a year this year because we're seeing such big News headline drivers that are moving these markets back and forth so dramatically on pretty decent volume, I might add, and I think this is where today in Wednesday's trade, you're right. We we saw the longs liquidate. The title of my uh, blog post today um, is going to be longs liquidate, led by soy and and crude oil, and and it really was headline news that drove those two, I think, and the crude oil specifically. Um, OPEC Plus decided to push back their meeting from this weekend to next weekend. That takes you pretty much out of the market if you're a long in crude oil mark in, in the crude oil heading into this weekend. Why would you want to keep a long position, uh, especially if you were up some on it? If you weren't going to get any kind of volatility to the upside potential because you're not getting fresh news. Um, we also saw the Israel-Hamas ceasefire take hold. That mm-hmm. too was very heavily laden upon the idea. Why be long crude oil going into this weekend and the holiday? And this takes you back to the soybean oil and the vegetable oil market, which has been so sensitive for the most part to the WTI market. And then you throw on top of that an ADM CEO. I can't remember if he was in South America or where exactly talking about Brazil could still have a big crop. Well, You know, let's frame this out a little bit, especially with Agroal, I think it was coming out saying they're still at around 162 million metric tons. The three and four year average Brazil production is around 130, 135 million metric tons. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, almost 30 million metric tons heavy versus what our average is. So again, why wouldn't the soybean long take profit when he gets headlines like that? So we're really getting pushed around by news headlines. Not much has changed when it comes to weather. And I think that thaw that you and I talked about at the NAFB last week between the United States and China, I think it's taken hold.
0: Yeah, and that's a great thought. You know, you see soybeans down uh, 15 to 20 on Wednesday's trade. Well, here you go, China. Here's a a Black Friday sale on U.S. soybeans. Uh, I think uh, you said it before we went on, buy one cargo, get one free, essentially, here with a downturn in the beans on Wednesday. But to your point, um, it just felt like, yeah, a lot of fun traders did not want to be long with some of the weather unknowns and those news headlines out there enough to kind of push us down here and then just let traders uh, reassess things. I I know we got a shortened session Friday, but more than likely probably even Sunday night into Monday as we come back at things here next week, Mike. Yeah,
4: I think so. And I think it's usually on Saturday, Sunday, early Monday morning. We get a lot of South American uh, fundamental drops as far as news, as far as planting, as far as what producers down there are saying yep. South American consultants are uh, are a lot more, I think, active during the weekend, and this all goes back to the the give and take and this volatility. And I I will go back to the crude oil market and go back to the wheat market as well and bring those back into from the fray when it comes to the soy complex. You know, we we've lost the ability for the soybeans to have the corn and wheat to join it to the upside. So another common theme in 2023, soybeans can go so far, but then that rubber band gets too extended, beans kind of look over their shoulder and say, hey, you guys coming? Well they did on Wednesday. You know, we saw soft red wheat sales to China, U.S. soft red wheat sales to China, and then corn sales to Unknown and to Taiwan. And I think even South Korea's NOFI came in and got some mm-hmm. corn bought as well. And so we are seeing the feed grains pick up the demand, but that was kind of lost in translation with all these headlines surrounding this idea that the market's got too many longs in it and the demand is not as strong as what the supply side looks like right now.
0: You watch a lot in terms of uh, the cash soybean price and uh, walk us through this chart on the video feed as we look at this uh, along with Soy Futures. So what are you seeing here as we uh, work our way towards the, and through the holiday, Mike? Yeah, you're right. And and
4: this is especially important even though we don't have the Brazil or Argentine you know, prices on this chart. Um, we really got to be careful about Argentina with this new president and him talking about dollarization and whether that really opens up the floodgates from Argentine farmers. If they have old crop corn and beans, will they let it go? Because they've been using those commodities as an inflation hedge, given that Argentine peso is essentially worthless. But um, on this chart, you're seeing a divergence. I think it's going to be important next week. This is a uh, kind of following up and, and putting a more of a finer point on what you just rightfully said about next week's trade in the cash market. We're getting ready for December corn to go into first notice day. And I think my basic mindset, Jesse, is that South American weather really doesn't start until Thanksgiving. So now we're really getting ready to start the weather market, in my opinion. Um, and you're seeing a divergence between the cash beans at the Gulf of Mexico. This, even though the lower Mississippi River is going back down, and so they're still bidding up down there in, in, at NOLA and at uh, the Pacific Northwest, it's another 10, 15 cents higher than this price. And so we're really, really seeing the cash market go higher in the last week, week and a half, while the the lead month futures has decidedly taken another turn uh, in, in an opposite turn to the downside. So I think there's going to be a winner and a loser here. And what I would say to clients and what I'll say to them this weekend is very simple. The cash market takes the lead month above that 1377 September high on a closing basis. I consider that a breakout. You can see that on the right hand side scale that 1380 level, you get above that level on a closing basis and you really don't have a lot of resistance until you get into the low mid 14s on that. That'd be your yellowish orange line chart there.
0: You and I talk a lot about the Bloomberg Commodity Index. Let's take a look at that as well as we head into the holiday. Any big notes uh, you are seeing there, Mike?
4: Yes, I am. And this goes back to the wheat market, keeping us near that 40 level, that major support you and I, right, like you say, have rightfully talked about a lot. Um, we saw the Argentine uh, wheat kind of die in terms of its wheat weather-led rally, but we're seeing the Ukrainian and Russia prices really pick it up, both of them up around $15, $20 a ton uh, on the last two weeks' trade. And this goes to the idea that not only did we see that big um, port strike hit by the Russians uh, onto Odessa on Tuesday, but the numbers that Ukraine Ag Ministry is showing us marketing year to date, wheat exports, corn exports for 23-24, both of them right around five and a half million tons apiece. That's going to be down about a million tons on wheat and down 60 percent, almost 60 percent on the corn. So I still think this market wants to try and go higher and break higher and give us a buy signal. Um, As I said in copy this past weekend between the US, um, China uh, meeting between the two leaders and the Federal Reserve getting more neutral in their mindset, I'm just essentially waiting on those bond yields to break lower. And I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the chances for this market to catch at this stage of the game. And that's where the holidays Um, are really, really important because they send a lot of crazy signals typically.
0: And once again, Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics joining us here today as we recap Wednesday's market trade action. Again, the markets closed on Thanksgiving Thursday and uh, will reopen 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Friday for a shortened session just past the noon hour. No overnight sessions as well into Thursday and into Friday. A few of the closes from Wednesday's trade. December corn, one and a quarter lower, 4.68 and three quarters. January beans, 20 and three quarters lower, 13.56 and a half. Chicago wheat, December up three quarters, 5.55 at three quarters. KC wheat, December down one and a quarter, 6.14 and a half. Spring wheat, December down six and three quarters at 7.10 and three quarters. Live kettle, December down 52, 174.47. January feeder cattle 120 lower 227.12 and December hogs 10 cents higher 68.27. We'll be back with more analysis from Mike Zuzalow of Global Commodity Analytics on the way right after this.
1: When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen.
0: We are being joined today by Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics as we recap Wednesday's trade action and uh, look at this market as we work through the Thanksgiving holiday period. Mike, you brought up a great point about First notice day for December futures, uh, options expiration Friday, first notice day Monday. And I know typically a lot of folks tend to hold some sort of position in December futures, whether it's corn or wheat contracts, and it, it always can be a, a pretty uh, – pretty volatile time frame with a lot of open interest out there and I haven't looked at it but just can you talk about that a little bit and maybe some reminders for folks to make sure they take a look at things uh, before we hit first notice day
5: yeah I
4: mean this is a big deal I think this year especially Jesse because you know in in the prop uh, the 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 project that the Chicago Mercantile exchange has in the delivery time period is the Chicago, futures price and the nearby cash prices around Chicago um, need to come together. And that's where the delivery becomes so important because it's it's seller's option when it comes to deliveries. That means if you're holding corn and you see that the board price is better than your cash price, you would expect a lot of deliveries. Well, that's pretty much where we're at, especially given the wet corn the elevator's shutting down a lot near Chicago. I've heard pretty, hor- pretty bad horror stories where clients are telling me they're down around 410 415 420 in some cases for cash corn. The board price closed Wednesday around 470 475 So why wouldn't the sellers out there go after the board price if they were a larger commercial that can take on the kind of money it takes to do the delivery process? And so... I think the delivery process is going to be extra important. It's probably um, one of the last things that I could see hurting the corn market in terms of heavy deliveries, pushing futures down. But at the same time, if Mato Grosso's weather is really still very, very dry, that second crop corn potential on production is going to be Cut dramatically in the course of the delivery period of the December futures because it's such a key time period to get the beans in to get ready for the second crop corn. And so, Wednesday, you and I were joking before uh, we went on air, and, and I was saying, Oh, all those guys that we heard about that aren't planting second crop corn because uh, they're not going to get their first crop beans in, they must have changed their minds. They must be planning now in Monte Grosso. So, something's got to give, in other words. And I think it's going to be, as you say, an extremely violent, potentially volatile uh, market with that delivery in the corn. When it's all said and done, if we start weaker in Deese corn on delivery, I think it could be like November beans if that weather in South America holds up, or Deese corn could be like Nov beans and pulls the whole market higher into expiration. That's something to watch for
0: fantastic um summation of that and uh, analysis of that appreciate it i'm sure a lot of folks will as well all right let's move over to livestock and uh, let's talk cattle here the ds live cattle uh, continuation chart we got that up on the video feed this cattle market kind of settled up on wednesday a little bit lower not by a lot but just a little bit what's your take in this cattle trade here as we're entering the thanksgiving period You know,
4: I felt like the cattle on feed report was neutral enough that it didn't feed the bear. But because we still have almost 12 million head on feed right now, it wasn't going to feed the bull either and give us a recovery. And we did take a shot one day on Monday to try and get back above the October low in December fat cattle, that 175, uh, 177, excuse me, 177.30 level. That's where the orange circle is on that uh, bar that pokes down from October, we could not stay above that level on a closing basis. And we went right back down to the low end of the trading range. I'm inclined to think the technicals and the cattle on feed were traded this week, Jesse. We didn't see any cash trade really develop as well. Next week though, I think we've got several things going for us. The USDA retail numbers from last Friday on beef, the rib data, both steaks and, uh, Roasts were up 325% on the featuring ad space versus the prior week. Um, We typically peak in dressed weights at the end of November for the uh, cattle. The slaughter numbers uh, usually see a lot lower dressed weights as we get into December. And then we've got a snow coming into Garden City, into uh, south of Hutchinson and, and west of Hutchinson. Uh, It's right in the feedlot country, and so I'm wondering whether we don't find a little bit better support, and obviously the big question mark remains consumption.
0: Yeah, consumption remains a a big key in my mind as well. Uh, As we enter Christmas, you know, how many uh, prime ribs are we going to see, etc.? That's going to be a big thing here too, and and really getting through the rest of this year and into 24 as we wait to see uh, if this herd's going to get Rebuilt or started or not, I think that's going to be a big key for us here, Mike, uh, as we move through the holiday season, consumption, and, and whether or not there's any inkling that we could start to rebuild this herd.
4: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, and that's where the snow maybe comes in between the rains last weekend and the snows coming in this week uh, or the next week. We might see some talk about calves being put down and and picking up in Oklahoma City, especially. I'm going to be watching that closely. That. Chart also showed a gap at about 183.50 in the D's fat cattle, Jesse. That's a number I think is still attainable because I think that's where the cash price should be at as we get into the fourth quarter. USDA is even higher than that. I think their November numbers were 185, if I remember right, when it comes to Q4 for for steer prices. Um, Your consumption comment really caught my attention because you had Walmart, Best Buy, uh, who was it, Lowe's, and I think Kohl's come out and say – We're starting to see some hiccups in the demand and consumption side here. I'm not so sure that didn't translate into the meat market, even though it didn't really get into the stock market this past week. But uh, as I said, I'm going to stick by the the favorable consumption pattern for the Christmas seasonal on beef, just because I think we're kind of hammed out at this point of the last two years of buy a turkey, get a free ham. um, And the roast prices, like I said, they're really, really competitive uh, compared to the last three years.
0: Excellent point. Uh, speaking of ham, speaking of hogs, a little bit lower on Wednesday into the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, this hog market to me still feels like it's searching for solid footing. And really, if it has found a bottom, we're not really doing anything to work our way off of it here, it seems, Mike.
4: I agree. And, you know, we had a USDA attache report at the end of October, early November that said, look, sales in China we're going to be down about 1%, steady decline in the sow inventory. And then China came out, Ministry of Agriculture, at the beginning of this week and said 42 million head of sows, too many. We got to call more. And it, I think it's kind of like the soybean weather market. And this is where that pork and bean trade is so valuable to me. We're getting mixed signals when it comes to what's going on in China with the hog market. So I'm going to lay back and say we're in a trading range market at this point. We've done most of the damage to the downside. The cash index is way above the futures price right now. And let's wait for the D.S. Hogs and Pigs report to give us more of a direction on our supply here in this country and stop playing so much on China's market.
0: Mike, great stuff, as always, as we wrap it up here and head into the Thanksgiving holiday. Anything final you would uh, reiterate for folks here today?
4: No, just back at you on the Thanksgiving blessings to you, your family, and all the great listeners and viewers on the Market Talk.
0: Fantastic. And I know if folks want to uh, take a look at your analysis and uh, reach out with questions and comments. I know they could do that very easily. Uh, How can they get a hold of you, Mike?
4: Yeah, and I welcome that because a lot of people give me uh, as much information as I give them, especially in the cattle industry and what's happening with the corn harvest finishing up. So give me a shout out at globalcomresearch.com, sign up for a trial, pose a question to me in the comments, or if you want me to call, just say, call me, Mike.
0: Fantastic. Well, Mike Zuzalow, Global Commodity Analytics, have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us on Market Talk, sir, and we will talk to you next week.
4: You bet, Jesse. Thank you.
0: Great stuff as always, market analysis with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Uh, I always thank him for his time and appreciate him joining us with a recap of the market trade ahead of Thanksgiving. Of course, uh, recapping Wednesdays closes, no market trade overnight into Thursday, no trade on Thursday for Thanksgiving, no overnight trade into Friday. Markets will reopen for a shortened session at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Friday. Let's take a look at some of the closes from Wednesday. December corn one and a quarter lower, four sixty-eight and three quarters. March corn down one and a quarter, four eighty-seven and three quarters. January beans twenty and three quarters lower on Wednesday, 13.56 and a half. March down eighteen and three quarters, thirteen seventy-four and a quarter. December bean meal down a dollar ten a ton, four fifty-eight ten. January down four forty a ton, four thirty-seven sixty. December bean oil fifty nine points lower at fifty three sixty. January down seventy two points fifty two seventy one. Chicago wheat December three quarters higher five fifty five at three quarters. March up one at three quarters five eighty four and a half. December Kansas City wheat down one and a quarter six fourteen and a half. March down one and a quarter six twenty four and a quarter. In spring wheat December Minneapolis down six at three quarters seven ten at three quarters. March spring wheat down five and a quarter seven twenty eight. Oats for December up 11 and a half, 369 and a half. We look over at the cotton market as well. We saw cotton for December up 224 points, 79.58. March cotton up 21 points at 80.90. In the livestock trade, December live cattle down 52 on Wednesday, 174.47. February down 80, 175.27. Feeder cattle, January 120 lower at 227.12. March feeders down 110, 230.12 on Wednesday. And hogs, December 10 higher, 68.27. February hogs down 50, 71.82. April hogs down 5, 78.57. That is the closing numbers from Wednesday's trade action. Again, markets reopen at 30 a.m. Central Time on Friday. We'll be back to wrap up Market Talk on the way right after the break.
3: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
1: Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen.
0: And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics for providing market analysis ahead of the holiday here, Thanksgiving Thursday, and a shortened market session on Friday. Well, right now, let's uh, go back to the NAFB convention last week in Kansas City, Missouri. had a great discussion with Katie Caning from Corteva AgriScience talking about range and pasture and rebuilding, making sure that our range and pasture land is Uh, up to snuff for our herds let's listen in to that interview we're here at trade talk in kansas city missouri joining us now at corteva agriscience katie kenning range and pasture specialist is with us katie great to talk with you how are you
3: good very good happy to be here happy to this is my first time at trade talk and i'm excited to be here
0: well let's talk cattle a little bit and let's talk range and pasture a little bit here it's no secret that our cattle herd is down a lot, of, uh, a lot of talk about when are we going to start to rebuild this herd. But I think right now we have to have that discussion about making sure our pasture is healthy and ready for when we rebuild that herd. So talk about that a little bit. What, what are some of the conversations you're having with ranchers across the country in terms of looking at their pasture health right now?
3: Yeah, so the biggest thing right now that um, I've been talking about with ranchers is cattle economics are good. Um, This is a good time to be um, expanding the herd, picking up on those uh, stocking rates. But in that same breath, we know input costs are not going down. Um, So that's why we really have to stress the lowest cost feed source that a rancher is going to have is their grass. And so while we need to steward our cattle, we also need uh, to be grass farmers and manage that forage because pounds of grass equals pounds of beef.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I know we've had a lot of drought, obviously, the last couple of years. So uh, thinking about as we've we've started to improve drought conditions, we still got to improve some of those pasture conditions in certain parts of the country, don't we?
3: Absolutely. No, so I'm located in Hayes, Kansas. So drought is very yeah. familiar yeah. Uh, with me right now. Um, but, you know, a failure to plan is a plan to fail that's that's how I look at it and so when we go into any growing season especially now um, going into 2024 we need to evaluate where our range land and where our pasture is at. And so. Um, going in, seeing, you know, did we leave any forage um, coming off this year, going into next year? Um, Maybe we need to extend our hay storage going into the spring um, to give those roots enough time um, to get some production on top. Because what we see many times above ground mimics what we see below ground. And so when we finally do get some moisture, because it it will come eventually, um, it helps the moisture stay in place with having a good root system. And we know that weeds can take off very quickly with a little bit of moisture and we need all the moisture that we do get to go to our grass production
0: and i know with corteva you guys have some great products that can help with some of that pasture rangeland kind of rebuilding things talk about that a little bit and some of the things you guys do and to help ranchers
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we have a great all-around broad-spectrum broadleaf weed product, uh, DuraCore herbicide. So it's a combination of milestone, which is going to give you your residual, and then a brand new active to the range and pasture market called RinseCore. And so that's going to give you your post. So we're using a pre and post um, chemistries to control many of the noxious or broadleaf weeds that are going to be challenging in your pastures. Um, We also have a A new method of ulti graze which is a combination of duracore and impregnating that on uh, dry fertilizer so we're getting that weed and feed uh, one pass better grass
0: well obviously as you mentioned you know cattle economics are good there's just there's a lot of things for our producers to think about right now any final thoughts you would share with our cattle ranchers and uh, just some things that they need to keep in mind here as we move forward into 2024.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So one final thing that I would say is just to manage, um, go out, look at your operation, figure out what the goals are of your program, and then go from there. Expanding your herd seems to be the best way right now um, to stay in a a positive mindset on the market, and so managing those grasslands and your rangelands and pastures is going to be the best way to uh, maximize your production on your cattle herds.
0: Fantastic. Katie Caning, Range and Pasture Specialist with Corteva AgriScience. Thank you for joining us here at Trade Talk. We appreciate it.
3: Yep, absolutely. Thank you.
0: Good stuff there again. Katie Caning with Corteva AgriScience joined me last week at Trade Talk in Kansas City. While a new government tracker will help watch for honk compliance with recent state laws, Proposition 12 will soon go into effect, and the USDA now provides honk data on compliant animals through the National Weekly Direct Swine Non-Carcass Merit Premium Report. Steve Meyer with Partners for Production Agriculture says this will establish a premium range for hogs raised for California or other states enacting animal confinement laws.
5: There will be a list that will show the range of the premiums being paid the prior week for pigs that meet Prop 12 or Question 3 in Massachusetts requirements. And they have to meet certain confidentiality requirements.
0: Now, Myers says USDA has been working on this since Prop 12 went into effect in July and premiums so far look like $6 to $10 ahead based on agreements. The November 20th report is a bit higher with a premium range of $2.38 to $14.13 100 weight with an average premium of $4.94 100 weight and around $12 ahead premium. Meyer adds in the short run hogs will cost more. Producers are spending money to make more room and they can't use some standard hog raising practices.
5: They can't use breeding crates, which will affect their reproductive efficiency of their their sows, mainly their farrowing rate. So there's extra costs here. And so in the short run, they're going to have to pay a premium to this in order to compensate the producers. We've been advising all the producers we've talked to for the last three years, don't do this for free. And if they're not willing to pay you enough, walk away from it.
0: Meyer adds compliance will be the responsibility of the seller of pork in California, which will prove it through a certification process set for the start of the year when Prop 12 goes into place.
5: As of January 1, 2024, everyone's supposed to be certified as a producer, as a packer, as a distributor in order to prove that paper trail back on the product going into California.
0: And once again, that is comments with Steve Meyer from Partners for Production Agriculture. Well, we are out of time here on today's Market Talk. Thank you so much for joining us as always. I hope you have a safe and happy Thanksgiving holiday with your friends and family and loved ones. Enjoy a a lot of turkey and all the sides including uh, mashed potatoes, cream bean casserole, or hot dish, where whatever you call it, uh, all your favorites, pumpkin pie, etc. Be safe, safe travels if you are traveling, and enjoy the holiday. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.